Giants, what I'm about. And what I'm about is an old school physical mentality. Okay? We're going to put a product on the field that the people of this city and region will be proud of. Because this team will represent this area. We'll play fast, we'll play downhill, we'll play aggressive. We'll punch you in the nose for 60 minutes, we'll play every play like it has a history and a life of its own with a relentless competitive attitude. Hello, everybody. Good evening. Welcome to Big Blue Avenue. I'm Tom Svetta, joined alongside my two lovely co-hosts, first Sam Cardona and my man to my left here on the screen, Hank and Dichter. Sam and Hank, how's it going tonight? It is game day. Woo! Let's um, go. I'm excited. I'm pumped, although also a bit nervous, but can't wait. We need to beat our old punching bag, or at least that's how I've always viewed Washington for years. How you doing, Tom? Doing good, doing good, Sam. How about you? I know you were the only person out of the three of us who did not go to the game this weekend. You saw it on your TV. Obviously, we're going to recap that, but how are you feeling? We have a, a short week, and yeah, we're uh, we're, we're trying we're trying to read out tonight. Um, I'm a, I won't lie, I'm a little nervous for today, but excited as always. I'm excited to see Giants in prime time. Uh, division matchup. You know, it's always a good time. But um, yeah, I definitely watch from my tv then i then switched to my computer and put red zone on the tv because i was like i i can't watch some of this so <laughs> was watching half on the computer and, and red zone on the tv this week but it is what it is so hank That's and i were both at the game hank and i were both at the game and we'll get to that in just a moment um before we get there make sure to go follow us below on all of our social media platforms on instagram and twitter at big blue avenue and our YouTube channel, I put up a quick short recap video recapping my thoughts, initial thoughts, reactions on the Giants-Broncos game, but we're going to dive deep down into it tonight. And then, of course, our special guest for the evening is a friend of ours, Cannon from Three Man Weave. He is a diehard Washington football team fan. He'll be joining us around 7.30 p.m. Eastern time, so I'm really excited to get him on and get his thoughts. And Hank, you said something very interesting I know we'll talk about Washington a little bit later, but they're kind of like our punching bag. So I'm really excited to see what tonight has in store for us. We do have a couple of comments. John and John Rankin says, yo, Kings and Queen. What's good, John, JR? Going? <laughs> Albert says, let's go, Big Blue. Coming from a Buffalo Bills fan, Albert, uh, thank you very much for that. Uh, I didn't know you were a closet Giants fan. Uh, welcome <laughs> to the Albert just joined the review and preview team last night. So an additional member, really excited to have him on board. Welcome, Albert. Um, David. Hey, guys. Welcome back. Hey. What is good, <laughs> Dave? How, how are things across the pond? Yes, yeah, our resident David, European football fan. David is a constant contributor throughout the show. Keep 
the comments coming tonight, David. We have a lot in store for you. Ben Cruz, what's good? Pat's fan here, but I'm picking the Giants and player of the game, James Murray. I like what that. What do you think, Sam? I like it. I like it. I think that we were our secondary was definitely needing to step up this week, and I think that they definitely got a little bit of a push here. So I'm excited for that. So it was just announced right now that Saquon Barkley will play tonight. Obviously, it will be on a limited basis. I think we all kind of expected that to happen. Ben also predicts that any dime is going to ball out tonight. I agree. Um, I think he's going to have a good game because he's 4-0 against the Washington football team. Might as well. Um, David says, across the pond, it is cold and wet. <laughs> <laughs> Albert says, thanks, guys. Giants have always been a closet team since they were the only ones to beat Brady. I do agree, and that's why I rooted for the that Patriots in that one Super Bowl at your house against the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, <laughs> but there were a lot of cons at this Denver game and a lot of pros. And, Hank, I want to start with you experience at the game was awesome. We, I, I got to see Constantine Maroulis perform um, at the Bud Light Beer Garden before the game with my brother and my uncle who flew in all the way from Phoenix, Arizona to see the Giants throw up a dud. Um, it, it was weird. LPGs trying to get noticed as usual. Our <laughs> super fit, but there are a lot of cons in this game where Daniel Jones, again, he had to fix turning the ball over. The Giants' offense was very safe and conservative. He did turn the ball over, had that big fumble. And I think this is where we start. What did we think of Daniel Jones and his play in week one? Because we saw on the third play of the game, Denver jump off sides, and Jones threw a 42-yard bomb downfield to Darius. That's what he should be doing more. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I mean, here was my mindset going into this game. I was with one of my really good friends, and he and I were, like, debating whether we thought that Daniel Jones could potentially be the answer to this team. I think you pretty, you guys pretty much both know where I stand. And I came into the stadium really, really hoping, oh, he's going to have a good game. And then when he threw that 42-yard pass, I'm like, oh, this is great. We got it. But then, obviously, you know, stuff happened on that drive. We couldn't end up doing anything from there on out. But then – we took the lead in the first half with that touchdown. And then as they were down by 10, I saw him leading the Giants down the field. I'm like, okay, this is time to shine. But then then he turns the ball over, and I'm like, dang it. I just wanted that one day for him to prove every one of us wrong, any one of those dads wrong. But the one turnover, that's the one thing that pulls your hair about Daniel Jones. It's always the one turnover that seems to overshadow whatever good thing he does. And it's like... It's just I can't even I can't get in, bring into words how frustrating it is, Tom. I don't know about you. It is very frustrating seeing it firsthand. The life of the crowd just gets taken out. I think we were down seventeen to seven. KJ yes. Hamler just dropped a wide open touchdown, and there the Giants are methodically moving down the football field. He's hitting Darius Slayton. He's hitting Sterling Shepard, and then the fumble comes. I believe it was the first time he took off game and it was very very disappointing sam what did you think of danny dimes and his play in week one i think that like you said the turnover is not great and i sent you guys a stat like earlier this week about the uh turnover rate of daniel jones but i think that he's like right there i genuinely think he's right there and i think the problem is and i'm sure we're going to get into this later on in the show is the play calling 
And that's what's kind of causing. But, like, we see him throw the ball down the field, and it looks incredible. And we've seen him run in for touchdowns, and it looks great. And I think, like, it's he's right there, and he has, again, like, we're, we're working through this new offense. We're look, working through the new weapons. I, I, I still believe in him. I'm still, I'm still here. I'm still believing in Daniel Jones. I just need a few pieces to just come together a little bit so that we can actually see him be the quarterback that was expected of him when he was drafted six overall. And I think the problem is he's not playing like the sixth overall pick. This is year three. The expectations for him are very high. I think the play calling needs to allow Daniel Jones to take shots downfield. I want to see what we have in our quarterback. It is year three now. We should be able to find out what we have. And look, we didn't lose 27 to 13. We lost 27 to 7. We lost by 20 points. Denver was sagging off late in the game. And the Giants don't have any excuses. Denver didn't have Bradley Chubb one of their best defensive players. They lost Jerry Judy, who took some hit. I think it was by either Logan Ryan or Xavier McKinney uh, in the third quarter. So they were without two stars of their own. There's no excuse why the Giants go in. The fans are behind you. It's the 20-year anniversary of 9-11. You know, uh, a lot of the first responders that the Giants visited at Ground Zero were at this game supporting their football team. It's the first time... You have fans in the stadium for a regular season game in two years. And this performance was just embarrassing. The, I mean, the Giants, I feel like their issues just never go away. It's an ongoing circle. You can blame the play calling a little bit. You can blame Daniel Jones a lot of it. And you can probably blame the coaching. I hate to say it, but Joe Judge didn't coach his best game. I'm a big Joe Judge supporter, but... I am trying to stay positive. Um, How much can we really put on this offensive line, though? Because Daniel Jones had the most time in the pocket out of any quarterback in the NFL this week. The offensive line was outstanding. They had the fourth best pass blocking win rate in the entire National Football League. Andrew Thomas had an 80 PFF grade, highest graded PFF pass blocker on the line and He contained Von Miller. I know Miller had a sack, but Andrew Thomas is showing a lot of promise entering year number two. So, I mean, how much can we really blame the offensive line? The answer is we can't. They had a good game. Yeah, it's it's the thing with the offensive line is that we were skeptical going into this game, right, at first, because, (laughs) yes. Um, Yes. because of the fact that it was worked on pretty late in the off season in terms of, um, you know, gaining people and working on it and, and all these things, but the offensive line looked good. What I'm like, what makes me nervous is the fact that because the offensive line looked good and this is how the offense looked, even with this, uh, the line looking as good as it did. That's what makes me nervous is that we thought that if the offensive line was good, then that would mean that our quarterback and our receivers would be, you know, dominant. But we didn't see that in this game, and that's what's a little bit concerning here. So, yeah, for this, the offensive line did show up and did do what they needed to do, and yet our offense didn't perform the way we expected them to with a better offensive line, and that's what's concerning. Yeah, I definitely agree with that, and I think it pretty much – proves one other thing that we pretty much have been agreeing with and discussing 
I want to see them let Daniel Jones like throw the ball and take chances more because like I said, this is a quarterback's league. Like this isn't the days where you can just like rely on a good running game too. Well, no, I'm not saying you don't need a running game, but you need the quarterback to let the quarterback throw. Daniel Jones has the arm for it. And Tom and I have dissected this many a time when talking about the film. Daniel Jones has all the time in the world in the pocket. He makes a good throw. The receiver will catch it. It's that simple. Mm-hmm. Let him throw the ball. I cannot stress it enough. Yeah, and we look across the board on this offensive line. I know Shane Lemieux was playing hurt. They just placed him on short-term IR today, so he will miss the next three weeks. Lemieux, in his second year, he did get off to a strong start and limited reps at 81.5 pass block grade. He only had 11 pass blocking snaps, but – Shane Lemieux was the worst pass-blocking guard in the National Football League last year. He was good. Nick Gates was a rock at center. Through one week, he's the 11th-ranked center. Uh, Will Hernandez making the transition from left to right guard. He wasn't bad. Nate Solder was really the only issue, and Solder is a bum. I all, all due respect for him on a, pers- on, on a personal level, but he's a bum. We saw rotation with Matt Purton there. Ben Bredesen came in to replace Shane Lemieux due to his injury. He picked up the slack. So there were some positives to take from this game. But another con that I want to bring up, actually, let's get the Hills comment first. Why are y'all surprised? Okay, can I answer that for a second? Sure. Donald, I'm not saying I am surprised. In fact, I'm not even going to pretend I'm surprised. The fact of the matter is I'm more disappointed. I just wanted to be proven wrong, and I wanted to, like, look good and, like, feeling good about the Giants team. But what are you going to do? I'm sorry. Yeah. And Blake Martinez, oh my God, he might have had his worst game as a Giant. This is a guy that I love dearly. He's a captain on this football team. He sucked. I mean, he had he had nine tackles, but you missed a tackle on whatever that backup tight end was, and you allowed that touchdown to happen. You could have kept four points off the board at that point, forced them to kick a field goal. Blake Martinez might have had his worst game in his short New York Giants tenure. I expect him to ball out tonight, though, but I I was very disappointed in his play because Noah Fant went off six catches for 62 yards, and Teddy Bridgewater looked like an all-pro. He had all the time in the world. There there, There was no pass rush, guys, and it seemed like Tim Patrick was getting open. Noah Fant was getting open. He was just targeting people, and he was picking our spots. Um... Both of our corners were locking down uh, the sidelines, but the middle of the field was wide open. That's been our soft spot, and Bridgewater had one heck of a game. So kudos to Teddy Bridgewater. I thought he was outstanding. Yeah. Oh, my God. Teddy looked the way that he looked with the Saints with that amazing offense that Mm -hmm. was given to him in those few games that he played when um, Drew Brees was out. It was like five games. And I wasn't I didn't think that the Broncos offense would let Teddy Bridgewater look as good as he did. Like it really was like and and on Twitter, I mean, Twitter was all over the place on, on Sunday during that four thirty four thirty time zone. But I was just like the peop everybody on Twitter was saying Teddy should not look like this. Teddy should be looking just as a decent quarterback, but we literally made him look like this all pro, incredible, amazing quarterback just performing left right and center and it was just like what is going on and I agree Blake Martinez come on 
Like we've been pushing you like this whole off season. Like, yes, Blake's here. Blake's going to make the plays. We saw some amazing plays in, in the preseason. And yet this game, I don't know what happened. I don't know what happened with him. Well, I will say this though, Teddy, if you look at his year with the Panthers, his numbers weren't necessarily terrible. He was, he was in the middle of a rebuilding team. And obviously when you have a chance to get Sam Darnold, of course you're going to make that move in all fairness. But with that being said, no, to let him have the game like that against your defense, that's unacceptable. I'm sitting there with my uncle and I'm telling him, I'm like, this is the same old giants, the giants. And there's a com- another comment here from John. Gettleman has never drafted a legitimate pass rusher. Hopefully Aziz Ojolari disproves your point, John, but so. I'm going to say this. The defense couldn't stay off the field. Denver was 7 for 15 on third down. They were 3 for 3 on fourth down. Hank's key to the game is always get off the field on third down. The Giants couldn't do it. Denver only punted twice. They were on the field for 35 minutes. And the Giants, they blitzed 44% of the time, and they barely got pressure. I mean, I think Patrick Graham's unit is rusty because, remember, they're transitioning from a cover two zone type defense, cover three, to a press man because now the Giants have better corners. They have better linebackers, so I think that's going to help them. But the rustiness showed uh, there was a blown coverage. Adoree Jackson had a couple nice plays, and then, you know, the icing on the cake, Giants are down, what was it, 20-7, to and then Melvin Gordon breaks loose for a 70-yard touchdown. I mean, that's when you know they just gave up. It was the longest touchdown run allowed by the Giants since Fred Jackson in 2011. And it, it was the first running back they've allowed to eclipse 100 yards in a game since week one last year when they gave that up to Benny Snell. So the defense needs to make a lot of improvements. And Joe Judge is a very competitive head coach. The Giants can't be getting blown out by the Denver Broncos. Cannot happen. Mm-mm. No. Are we going to talk about Joe Judge's little mishap there? The little on challenge? That, yeah. On that um, scoring play? That was like, really? Just – I mean, that was just embarrassing. That was right? a scratcher moment. I oh. mean, like, everybody knows, like, yes, every scoring play will automatically get reviewed. It's just the way the game works. What do you do in throwing a challenge flag? Like, not only, like, yes, I, it cost us a timeout. Mm-hmm. But why? Like, like that was just, that just looks really bad on your part. Like, mm-hmm. we, you know, we're, we love Joe Judge here. We're oh, big of fans of Joe Judge. Oh, yeah. But that looked so embarrassing. Like, you should know that. As a head coach, you should know that. And it's very – it's just not a good look to have something like that happen. It was not a good look. Uh, Jason Garrett, the play calling he mentioned, did not get Galladay involved until the second half. He had one catch in the first half. Galladay has glue on his hands. He Anything that is thrown his way, the man catches. Um, yes. He was outstanding. Four catches for 64 yards. Um, a couple of other cons, and then we'll get to the pros. We'll talk more about Galladay and Sterling Shepard. Uh, Kadarius Tony only had two catches. They struggled to get him involved. Barkley, I think he was a pro just due to the fact that he came out of the game healthy and unscathed. He only had 26 yards rushing, but I really didn't expect much more than that. Uh, eight soldiers started at right tackle for the first time since 2012, and it showed Von Miller had two sacks. And then Shane Lemieux, who was battling through an injury, only took about 30% of the snaps. Ben Bredesen stepped in for him at left guard. So those are my cons of the game. But now the pros. There are a couple pros. The Giants, they were down 3-0. 
early on. McManus kicks a field goal. Then they respond. This is in the first quarter still. 75-yard, seven-play drive that started with Kenny Galladay's first catch as a giant, capped off by a 37-yard touchdown pass to Sterling Shepard. And we're going to break down this play now. Um, I just want to show you a couple of angles on why Sterling Shepard made such a good play here. So as you can see in this formation, first I want you to watch Caden Smith here on the bottom part of the screen. He chips his man. And Devontae Booker on the left side of the screen absolutely levels the extra man coming. Jones delivers a dime. Shepard makes the catch. Sertan misses the tackle. Now watch what happens here. Shepard has an opportunity to go straight for the pie line, but the white side of the field out of bounds is never your friend. So he cuts back in, absorbs the contact, and gets into the end zone. And we'll get another look of it here. Here it is again at full speed. And then it slows down. You can see he cuts inside because he knows he goes out of bounds. He's short of the end zone. That was such a heads-up play by Sterling Shepard. I don't know many receivers in the National Football League that will do that, and he really is a stud. Oh, yeah, I, I, I agree. I thought that was really smart. And not only that, but when you're, in, when you're at the one-yard line and you're still running with the ball, why not just go for the score? I mean, you look at the Giants' problems with the red zone, well, at least the one silver lining about today is we didn't really see too many Giants' opportunities in the red zone because didn't really get there as much, but that's besides the point. Sterling Shepard made the extra effort to score the points, and that's what you want in this game. Yeah, I, I seeing Sterling Shepard do that just quick little out was just goes to show what a great receiver he is and how reliable he can be. Just to say, like, I know walking along, like you said, Tom, walking along the white can be a little tricky, and there could be a bad, you know, toe out of bounds, which obviously will would not have counted as a touchdown on that play. He just is he's just always where he needs to be. He does what he needs to do as a receiver. He is just every time the ball is thrown to him, it's the one sense of relief that I have watching this offense. I'm like, I know that Shep is going to be there and I know Shep's going to catch the ball and even if he doesn't go down the field and score a touchdown, he's going to be right there and he'll make sure he'll get as close to a first down or get a first down or whatever needs to be done. And this is exactly why Sterling Shepard is our first New York Giants player of the week. As you can see, he's 28 years old in his sixth season. The Giants gave him a contract extension right after they traded Odell Beckham a couple of years ago. The man averaged 16 yards per catch. And Hank, I forget if it was you or Sam, somebody predicted Sterling Shepard to lead the Giants in receptions this season. And he's already doing that through week one. I think defenses are so concerned with Kenny Galladay, the health concerns with Evan Ingram. Sterling Shepard is our next best option. And Hank brought up this stat. He passed the Keem Knicks for 10th on the all-time list of Giants reception leaders with 320. To me, that's pretty impressive to do in five years in one game, considering all the time he's missed in the past. Yeah, this guy has slowly become one of my favorite of the Giants and He's he's probably been the one consistent player on this team, honestly. If I if you really think about it, and those stats will really show it. And I I think probably the reason that I I think Sam we probably both picked them. I think the reason I felt that way was because we knew a lot of them were going to be targeting Kenny Galladay. You knew you couldn't really trust Evan Engram as talented as he can be, and as much as we've seen flashes. So yeah, 
I think given that I call Sterling Shepard old reliable sometimes, I think that's probably where I was thinking that. And with those numbers, there really was only one player we could give player of the week to this week. Yeah, he really, again, like I said, he was like the one thing that every time the ball was near him, I was like, this is great. Like, we really need to make sure that Sterling Shepard gets more. I mean, six catches for 86 yards is a week two prediction, I think, is a pretty solid especially with sharing catches in the offense with Kenny Galladay and uh, Kyle Rudolph. But yeah, Sterling Shepard really is just, I think old reliable is a really good nickname for him because like I said, he's always where he needs to be. He is definitely reliable in the fact that he can make sure he catches the ball. And even if it just means getting the down or getting close to a first down, he can do it. And that's just very, you know, comforting to us, I think. And he, yes. he has had some success against Washington in seven games, 33 catches for 345 yards. And I do have my prediction for him tonight. I think he goes six catches for 86 yards against the Washington football team because I think Washington is able to neutralize Saquon Barkley, forcing Daniel Jones to throw the football a little bit more. So that is our New York Giants player of the week. And let's talk about the elephant in the room in Kenny Galladay. Um, making his Giants debut, four catches for 64 yards. And before we break him down, uh, I thought he appeared rusty at the beginning. He made some big plays in the second half. Look for him to really be that bona fide number one wide receiver this year. Um, yeah, I mean, let, let's go through the, the, hi- the highlights here quick just to show you how talented he is, and then we'll break down this film. And just watch his hands and the way he makes those contested grabs. You'll see it again here in slow motion, the route that he runs. And this is why the Giants brought him in. The way he is able to battle, he's going up against, I think that's Ronald Darby, and he literally takes the ball away from him. So all Jones has to do is throw it in his vicinity, and he's going to make the catch. Here's another one in slow-mo, and you can see it here in full circle how close this is to being batted down. Darby's hand is right in there, and Darby got a big contract in the offseason, and here he is coming back for one. And here's the last one. This one might have been my favorite. That's beautiful. That's our guy. That's beautiful. Thoughts on Kenny Galladay? I mean, there's a reason why he was one of the most wanted free agency wide receivers, right? Like, there's mm-hmm. obviously even coming off of an injury, there's a reason why. And that just goes to show, I mean, though, I think you refer to his hands as sticky, right? And, mm-hmm. like, it's just – Glue. Or glue. Yeah, it's sticky, just great. Same thing, yeah. It's great to be able to see, you know, a receiver being in just a vicinity of the ball to be able to make a play. I don't know if how in the most recent years if we've had someone like that on our team. So to have all reliable of Sterling Shepard and sticky hands Kenny Galladay, like that's why I think I'm so frustrated with this play calling like Hank was talking about before. Let the kid throw the ball. Let Danny throw the ball because it's obvious that it's not like we're throwing to people who are going to drop the ball in every pass. So it's just like if they're reliable, if there's two receivers here that are reliable to the fact that we know that even just putting the ball in the vicinity of one of them is going to make a play, 
throw the ball. Like, Jason Garrett, why? Why is this not happening? I just, it drives me crazy. You know what the sad part we pointed out was? Pat Shermer outcoached them offensively. Mm -hmm. And I think it was Tom. It was you who texted us on the side after the game. You said the Giants missed Pat Shermer. And I'm like, I'm reading that text and I'm trying to think, oh, boy, this isn't a hot take. But then the more I thought about it, it's like our offense in 2019 compared to 2020, definitely better. And I think it makes sense. And and it all comes down to this. You got to let Daniel Jones throw the ball. And like Sam alluded to, you've got two sure-handed receivers Probably about the most sure-handed receivers that Daniel Jones has had, I feel like. Got to let him throw the ball. In in 2019, I really wanted the Giants to look a little bit more at Brian Flores, head coach. Um, I'm sorry. We already had Pat Shermer. But Pat Shermer should have been hired. The point I'm making is Pat Shermer should have been hired as an offensive coordinator, not a head coach. He is an outstanding offensive coordinator, not the best head coach. Uh, yeah, we got out Shermer in this game. No bad blood towards the Giants, but I mean, look, our this defense is the same team, offensive coordinator who went thirteen three with the Vikings with Case Keenum. This is very true, and look what he did with Teddy Bridgewater. And the Giants only had two sacks. Now Aziz Ojolari, he did record his first career sack. I view that more as a coverage sack. That was the first full sack by a rookie in Week One since William Joseph in two thousand three. And then the other player who had a good game was Logan Ryan. Ten tackles. He forced that fumble that he recovered. He's the top-ranked safety at PFF this week with a 90.4 grade and ranked second in coverage among all safeties. So take those PFF numbers as you will because some of them are skewed. I don't know how you folks watching feel about PFF, but um, some of the stats are fairly accurate. Xavier McKinney looked good as well. He defended a couple of passes. I was really excited to um, watch him play. But the bottom line is this, before we bring up Cannon, who is backstage, we'll be bringing him up in just about another minute. The Giants are now, and this is what's really, really sad. Since 2017, 31 out of 32 teams in the NFL have had a winning record at at least one point. The Giants are the only team in the league who have not had a winning record. The Giants are now 0-1 for the 10th time in the last 11 years, 3-9, at home openers at MetLife. And then the last time the Giants won a week one game at MetLife was in the stadium's inaugural season. So quite frankly, the Panthers. it's just sad. This losing culture over the last decade needs to go away, and it needs to go away quick because on my watch, we have a football game in less than an hour. Mm-hmm. So You would think that we would be used to all these 0-1 starts by now, but – I know, Tom, you're probably one of the more level-headed Giants fans I know, but I know deep down you're right up there with me. We are – it's so frustrating. And how is it even possible to go through all those years and be 0-1 yeah. versus the Beach Boys? I think at this time it's it's a perfect time to bring up our guest from the three-man weave. He's a very knowledgeable football fan of the Washington Football League, Brian Cannon. Cannon, how's it going, my friend? Long time no talk. Long time. Uh, thank you, first and foremost, Tom, for having me on. Thank you, Hank. Thank you, Sam. It's an honor to be here. Awesome. We, we really look forward to having you. Um, let's get right into it. So, folks, if you have any comments in the stream, too, for Canon, myself, Sam, Hank, feel free to shoot them in the comments section. We really do appreciate it. Now, your team won the division last year with mm-hmm. a 7-9 and nine record. And ironically enough, 
the NFC East went one and three in week one. Who would have thought Philadelphia would be the only team to win their week one opening game? Um, now, your team lost to the Chargers 20 to 16, a game that you led late in the fourth quarter. How big is this game tonight? Because teams that start 0-2 only historically make play make the playoffs 12% of the time. And not to mention, Washington is starting off the year on back-to-back home games. So how important is this game for both teams, but in particular, yours? I mean, the game is super important, uh, first to all the implications that you just listed. And even going back to what Hank said when I was backstage, those all-in-one starts. You don't want that to snowball into the 0-2, especially with us opening up at home two weeks in a row. So it's like you got to win one of these because you're wasting your home games if you don't. Already, you know, with the Eagles winning and everybody else losing in the NFC East last week, it puts us behind the eight ball. So if we take a division loss, either one of these teams, you know, whether it's the football team or the Giants, we're going to really be behind the eight ball on top of the stat that Tom just told us about teams starting on to very rarely ever make the playoffs. Um, so it's a huge game. It's a primetime game. Um, and it's the rivalry. I think we could throw all the stats out of the out of the window when it comes to the rivalry, which is why Daniel Jones seems to do so good against the Washington football team, because nothing else really matters. People really get up for the rivalry. Um, so I'm super excited. I know you guys are super excited and, and I really can't wait. Yeah, and I know, of course, tonight the big news is Taylor Heineke will start for injured quarterback Ryan Fitzpatrick. And I I think the biggest thing is last year, Heineke got a big-time playoff start against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Chase Young pointed at his jersey. Remember that name because you're going to see him again. Mm -hmm. How do we feel about that, guys? Um, Okay, well, no, you go. No, you go, Hank, because I want to hear what you got to (laughs) say. <laughs> I think that's a bold statement for someone who's only seen their teammate play one game. But I mean, if he has confidence in their quarterback, I mean, hey, that's that's what he's supposed to say. I'm not he's not supposed to say, oh, this guy's not good. No, I if I were Cannon, if I were in your shoes, I think I would actually appreciate that from Chase Young. Oh, I, I, absolutely. And um, I agree. I agree with what you said, but I think he saw so much unpreparedness from Haskins last year just to see the work ethic from Taylor to be able to come in and know the plays. Um, they asked him last year, this is um, prior to the playoff game. They, they said like, you know, tell us the plays that you like, you know, and he said, put the whole playbook in there. Cause I know it. So it's like, that's the difference. Like Dwayne Haskins had all summer, got the playbook early. You drafted number one and you still don't know the plays. We still can only use a certain amount of plays. This guy has a chip on his shoulder. And I'm not saying that he's great or anything like that. But what I will say, last year late when he replaced Alex, our offense was stagnant because Alex physically just could not do it with the leg. Heineke came in. The team immediately moved. That was the game that he took over prior to the playoff game, which is why Chase Young was like, it's something about this kid because it's like he was prepared. He wasn't wasn't afraid of the moment. And then in the playoff game, we came up short, but I don't think it was in part due to Heineke. I felt like he led the team. He did his job. And I I honestly felt like before we got Fitz, 
that we owe him an opportunity because I felt like Washington played the Bucks better than anybody last year in the playoffs. Um, so, I, so you know, for us to get Fitz and then just – Fitz doesn't really have a resume to be benching anyone to just say, you know what, you came in and bailed us out last year, but we're going to go with Fitz. I thought that was kind of a slap in the face. Um, but I also understand that Taylor hasn't done anything yet. So it's like, yeah, you know, even though I was impressed as a fan um, – he still has to go out there and prove it. He has to get some W's in the column, and it's going to start tonight. He has to prove it tonight. Um, and I will say, when he came in last week, he he you know he wasn't the reason that we lost. Uh, unfortunately, we had a fumble by Antonio Gibson late. You know, I still think he he handled the offense well, and so I'm excited to see what he can do. Um, I think he's one of the most competent quarterbacks that have been under center for Washington in a long time so you know he's he's not super athletic or super talented or anything but i think he can get the job done before i, I get to sam be... yeah go ahead hill says it's documented i can vouch lol i think i saw the thing that you posted hill i i see where you're coming from sam go ahead <laughs> i just wanted to say really quick about taylor heineke is that what's going to be really telling tonight is if he performs the way that he played in that playoff game and he performs the way that everyone is expecting him to with this very, you know, strong knowledge of the playbook and knowing so much about this offense. If he can perform, I think that this quarterback talk of, you know, whether they're going to pick up Cam or get somebody in the offseason with Ryan Fitzpatrick being injured, I think that's going to silence a lot of people because even if it is just one more game under his belt, it's obvious that Taylor Heineke is there to play. He mm-hmm. wants the starting job. He wants to keep this job because this is an opportunity for him. This That's- is for him. He, you know, with Ryan going out, unfortunately, like, you know, nobody wants to see a player go down, but that's an opportunity for you to step up. And if you perform well and you do what you need to do as a starting quarterback, he might keep this job and it might be something that's longer than just this season. So I think that this game in particular is going to be very telling, especially for Taylor Heineke's performance. I agree 100% Sam. I don't think the game plan changes much, whether it's Fitzpatrick or Heineke. I mean, I think the game plan stays the same. Uh, You know, obviously he used to play for Ron Rivera in Carolina in 2018. So there's that. This kid didn't play in the NFL in 2019. He was out of the league. He wasn't picked up. And then on Sunday, he looked pretty good, 11 of 15, 122 yards in the touchdown, making his third career start tonight. But one key injury, Hank, that we want to talk about is Curtis Samuel because, quite frankly, I think I can speak on behalf of yourself and Sam. We all wanted to sign this guy in the Mm offseason. Yeah, I would have totally been – cool signing Curtis Samuel, but now seeing that he's on the, um, sorry, I almost said IL. I'm too used to baseball right now, but he's on the IR now to start the season. It really begs the question right now, besides scary Terry, who's the number two receiver that you're going to be counting on? Well, that's a great question. And it's just unfortunate. Um, what happened with Samuels? Cause it's like, that is tradition for Washington and their, and their big free agents. Uh, we do not have a lot of luck. So hopefully he can get off the IR and become productive because I'm really rooting for him because just like you guys and Sam, I definitely thought that he would be a good addition to the offense. Now, um, when it comes to 
who are we going to rely on for number two? It's it's up in the air. Um, it could be Brown, um, the rookie. It could be Adam Humphreys, who we also got in free agency. Or, you know, it can be Cam Sims. So none of these guys have a rapport really with Taylor Heineke except for the guys who caught passes from him last week. So it's like it's it's just like Sam said, it's an opportunity for Taylor. It's an opportunity for guys who aren't scary Terry to try to step up and say, hey, I want to be the guy in the meantime. Or, or if Curtis doesn't come back, I want to be that number two guy. So to put their stamp on it. So someone tonight has to step up out of those three guys I named. Um, we know Logan Thomas is going to, you know, do do him. So that should be, us. <laughs> that should be a second target. But um, we definitely need a wide out to be a second target. So hopefully it could be Cam Sims. He, he's, he's made a couple of big plays for us in the past. Um, I do like Brown. Um, coming out of college and you know Adam Humphreys is a vet so we'll see I really do like Logan Thomas as well I think I mean if you watched the game last week Noah Fant tore us up um, mm-hmm. your tight end is your best friend in this game especially for a backup quarterback because I know Antonio Gibson I believe he's going to play but he is a little banged up so I think Thomas is probably the guy that picks up the slack for Curtis Samuel I think he sees a lot of his targets so um, you kind of answer that next question for us, but now kind of transitioning into the defense here, you feature Chase Young, Jonathan Allen, and Montez Sweat on that defensive line. That's outstanding. Mm-hmm. Um, but who is one player that falls under the radar defensively that we don't know about? Obviously, we know you have Landon Collins. You took David Mayo from us in the offseason, who's a reserve linebacker, I'm pretty sure. But who falls under the radar that, Giants fans tonight should be like, hey, look out for that guy because he might make a play or two. Um, well, it's it's I, I say this to Hill and AJ all the time. Matt Ionitis, who is a defensive tackle, um, and he's in a steady rotation with Allen and Payne, and he's in there and he's making plays. Last year he was injured, so a lot of people didn't notice him, but the year before he led the D-line in sacks. So, you know, and that was the year prior to Chase coming. So Look out for him tonight. And in the secondary, um, I say Cam Curl. Cam Curl's really been playing and just doing his job. You know, the secondary was kind of getting torched last week, but Cam Curl was the one guy who was saying, like, at least not on me. So um he he's been impressive to me. I'm hoping that he'll impress more tonight. Um, that remains to be seen. But those are my two sleepers, one on the front end and one on the back end. Awesome. We do have a couple comments, Cam. Didn't get along with Rivera, so he's not coming to Washington. Uh, that's what he thinks. And James asks, Tom, why is Joe Buck calling the game? Fortunately, the game is on Fox, I believe, right? Is it Fox or NBC? I'm not even sure. Fox. I think Joe Buck's not as bad as you guys make him out to be. Sorry, that's my hot take. I, I like Joe Buck, so I like <laughs> He's fine. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Hank, what do you got for us? All right, so the next thing I want to talk to you guys about is – Last week, we know that the Washington defense was exposed a few times last week. We know Saquon's in the path to being fully recovered, but obviously, if you're the Giants, you're giving him limited reps, which is pretty much what we expected before the season. But with that having been said, what about this Giants offense scares you the most? Um, 
well you you said it you know sterling uh, sterling shepherd is what i if i watched the game last week i have to be worried about sterling shepherd especially when i saw what mike williams did so you know i'm hoping and i don't think it was a player talent thing i really think you know we played too soft and i think it was a scheme thing so i i'm i'm hoping you know we can adjust scheme wise but we cannot let sterling shepherd do to us you know what the charges wide receiver core was able to do, which was pretty much have their way, um, especially on third down. They were big on third down. Um, and so we got to stop the quick pass. And and I don't care what anybody else says about Daniel Jones. He normally tortures us. So it's like, whatever it is, we got to stop. The, we got to stop the ball. And Saquon's back there. I don't care if he's healthy or not. He's got to be primary to stop first um, because to me, he, he's one of my favorite backs, honestly. Um, so I know what he can do. I don't want to see him getting loose in the secondary and running wild on us and, and get that confidence that he needs to feel like the old Saquon. So, you know, I, I hope hopefully the D-line can, you know, get get pressure, more pressure than we did last week, slow Daniel Jones down, keep him confused so that he can't pick us apart like he's done, you know, the previous four times that he's played us. Yeah, definitely. I think I think you pretty much said it best. And I appreciate you saying Sterling Shepard, by the way. I, I'm glad you share the same viewpoint as us with Sterling Shepard being one of the more underrated targets on the Giants. And I love I love that Tom's showing off what's probably now an obvious The OG, right? The OG. The, the OG jersey. Yeah, I, I love that though. <laughs> And let me know. And I I can't forget Galladay. Definitely. um, He's a big play guy. Y'all highlighted that also his catch radius is is out of this world. So, you know, he was getting his feet wet and did look pretty solid um, last week. So we have to be we have to be worried about everything. Like I said, this is a rivalry game. Everything goes out the window. So, you know, you can't sleep on anybody. You have to watch Ingram everybody so we have to be worried about everything correct well sam i think ingram's out tonight again right he won't be playing so your your guy kyle rudolph will be starting at tight end and our our number two tight end caden smith is the reason why chase young is on the washington football team if you remember his overtime touchdown two years ago so caden smith and kyle rudolph at tight end could be two players to watch tonight sam Absolutely. And I think that what we had struggled with a bit last week was obviously being in the red zone, not only getting there, but when we were there, we couldn't convert the points in. And I've talked about it so many times throughout the offseason is that Kyle Rudolph should be somebody that we're targeting in the red zone because he has great red zone presence. So I think that Kyle Rudolph is going to be someone that this defense definitely needs to look out for. And He's not Evan Ingram. Evan Ingram, I think, is a little bit smaller. He's a bit quicker. Kyle Rudolph's a much bigger guy, so he's not going to be as easy to take down. And I think, I mean, I'm hoping, because I just want to see Kyle Rudolph succeed. I've been singing his praises for so long. So I definitely want to see Kyle Rudolph in the red zone. And, you know, not having Evan in the game is not the worst thing in the world. I I don't hate it. (laughs) Oh, we did miss him last week. A little, yes, yeah. We missed him last week. A little. As much as I hate to say it, because I don't want the Giants to re-sign Ingram. I'd love to trade Ingram, which 
Yes. You know, his catching technique is um, still ridiculous. But I mean, but he's dynamic at the same he time. Is. Yes. He's scary. He's dynamic, but he does have the dropsies. So mm-hmm. it's like, you know, but Sam nailed it. Kyle Rudolph is less dynamic, but he's short-handed. So it's like you got to find a guy that can do both. Mm-hmm. But one thing I know about the dropsies is that is curable. Mm-hmm. That is curable. Okay. So it's like if Ingram had a good offseason and he's going to be healthy when he finally does crack the lineup, then yeah. I think, you know, the sky's the limit for him because he has all the tools that it takes. So I also think Evan Ingram is great and obviously he was a Pro Bowl tight end last year. It's very possible that he may succeed somewhere else. Like I feel like that might also be just our offensive scheme might not be the place for him. But if he comes back in here and he cures his dropsies and I will swallow my pride, I will take, (laughs) I will sit there and not pretend like I didn't say everything that I did say this past year, but I will say, okay, Evan, if you perform the way that you do, I, I will take everything back that I can. (laughs) Sam, you want to know what my favorite mantras is? Yeah. I would rather be, I would rather be wrong and pleasantly surprised than right and unhappy. That's one of my mantras. I like that, Hank. That's a really good way of thinking, Hank. I've said that many a time with the Giants over the years. (laughs) I want to get to a quote made by Joe Judge this week in a presser. He opened up a presser saying, don't expect the offense to open it up Thursday. He emphasized how Washington doesn't allow explosive plays. He said you have to tick, tick, tick down the field. What do we think about that? I would say the Chargers would like to beg to differ. (laughs) Well, Herbert got the ball out really, really quick. And that's what I was telling Hill because a lot of people are saying that Chase Chase Young was just neutralized. But I said, Mm -hmm. I don't know if he was just neutralized or or if Herbert just wasn't holding on to that rock. He was letting that thing fly, which is a good game plan when you're Mm -hmm. facing a good defensive line. So, you know, um, it's up in the air, though. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to take what the media said about that too seriously. Again, sometimes we know Dave Gettleman's played that poker face before. He says something and he does the exact opposite. Joe Judge may have just been giving like a bland answer to a question, right? Um, But moving on to the keys to the game, because obviously there are some big keys to this game. And before I get there, there are three former Giants players on the Washington football team. Eric Flowers, who we all love. Um, yep. Landon Collins, oh, I miss him <laughs> so much. And then yeah. David Mayo. Flowers and Collins were our first two picks in the 2015 draft. So, Cannon, you own our first and our second round draft pick. That's how poorly the Giants have drafted over the – I, I think Flowers oh, oh, stinks, but I think you've turned him into an average NFL guard. I don't know what your opinion is on him, you but I think – Tackle, and that was the issue. Yeah. And man, not an NFL was... tackle. And there were so many Giants fans who just wanted Flowers gone. I remember that. Um, and when we signed him, they were like, good luck, good luck. And, I, and when we immediately moved him to guard, I said he should be better at guard because tackle is one of the toughest positions to play in the NFL. Um, and so he was he was decent the first stint, you know, and he's been he was decent in, in training camp and so far. So it was like, I, I can't knock him, you know. You, you're never going to be able to have 
all-star athletes on your line. You'll be lucky to have two. The rest have to just be able to do their job. Mm -hmm. And if you can do that and you can become a unit, that's what makes the lines great. They're a unit and they move as one. It's not just because they have a spectacular lineman or a tackle, because I've seen lines with a spectacular booking tackles and still not be an elite line. So, you know, you just have to become a unit and it, it takes scheme. It takes coaching. It takes communication. So, you know, we'll see what you guys do this year, but I do like Eric flowers. I do like, well, let me say, I, I like the new look Landon Collins. Um, but I didn't like the big play Landon Collins that signed all of that money when we first got him. Um, I felt like he missed a lot of plays. Um, he gambled a lot and he didn't want to play within the scheme. He just wanted to blow people up. And I feel like now he understands when he saw, you know, pretty much no name guys come in last year with Reeves and uh, Curl and just come in there and Everett be able to, you know, play the position and play it well, you know, without being a superstar, having, you know, or being a big hitter like he was. So I think he realized, like, these guys will take my job if I don't come in and, and get with the program this year. And I do like Mayo also. So thank you. Thank you all for the players. <laughs> Hopefully they can help us get the victory tonight. <laughs> now, moving in towards keys to the game, I think one thing I noticed from watching the film of the Chargers Washington highlights is that you have to attack the sidelines against Washington's cover two defense. I mean, as I mentioned earlier, get the ball out quick like Herbert did. Get Galladay involved sooner as well because his hands are, are filthy. I think that's one big key for the Giants. Sam, is there a key in particular to this game that you think the Giants have to take in order to win tonight? I definitely think that based off of last week and seeing the way the offensive line played and seeing the fact that going up against someone like Von Miller, there that Daniel Jones was one of the more protected quarterbacks last week, that's what needs to happen. We need to see Daniel Jones have enough time to create plays because this defense is very good. This defense with Chase Young, Montez Sweat, all of these guys, it is very, very important that we make sure Danny doesn't end up on the ground because I think that the way Daniel Jones's mind worked, which is very similar to Eli Manning, is when you keep getting pushed down, you keep getting pushed down, and you keep getting back in the game, it's very hard for them to come back. Like They don't have that Tom Brady-like mentality that's just like it fuels them in a way. So we keep Danny protected. We keep him out there being able to give him more than enough time to produce the plays to throw to Sterling Shepard and Kenny Galladay, who are these reliable wide receivers. And I think that is a very, very big part. So I think the offensive line just needs to keep doing what they're doing. I know that we have some guys that got shifted around this week and we have some new people on our offensive line that I think is because I'm very afraid of Washington D Washington's defense. So I think that, yes, Billy Price expected to start in. at center. Yep. And Nick Gates is moving to. But that's a weird, that's a weird move. Right I hate there. it. I hate it. I hate it because Bredesen looked good last week. You traded yeah. for Bredesen, and Gates is your center. And I think the biggest chemistry on the line is a quarterback in his center. He's good. And why move him to guard if he's? I don't get that. Mm -hmm. Why fix what's not broken? I thought he was great at center. 
maybe Bredesen hasn't had enough time to learn the playbook yet that they don't want him out there that much. Maybe they're going to rotate guys on the line because Nick Gates can realistically play anywhere, but that's true. He, he was our most consistent lineman last year, but I would much prefer to see him at center. He's probably one of five players in the NFL that has the balls to stand up to Aaron Donald. Yeah. Um, yeah. As we yeah. noticed last year. He's many nasty Nick Gates. We like yeah. to call him. <laughs> Love that. Uh, Hank, what is your key to the game? Well, I'm going to give you one of my favorite keys to the game, and this is the one that I say every single week. Got to get off the field on third down. Denver went seven for 15 on third downs, and not to mention they went three for three on fourth downs, but I digress. Third, third downs situations will make or break the defense. That is a proven point, and I think one of the big reasons the Giants lost that game last week was their inability to get off the field on third down. However, with that being said, another key that I think is worth mentioning is got to put pressure on Taylor Heineke. Like, you know, you couldn't really get enough pressure on Teddy Bridgewater last week, and it showed, and we made him look pretty much like Joe Montana. I don't want to see that again this week. Cannon, one weakness that I think your team has is your both of your tackle positions, at least in my opinion. I think Sam Cosme is very young, mm-hmm. and he didn't he didn't look very – granted, you're going up against guys like yeah, no, that was Joey Bosa. Up. And then yeah, Charles, Charles Leno Jr., who played – pretty much his whole career in Chicago is now coming here. So two new starting tackles. I think the continuity isn't there yet with the offensive line. So I think that's something where the Giants, you have guys like Ojolari and Lorenzo Carter and X-Men, they could take advantage of that. Where I think the cover one could be a good strategy where you make Heineke try to beat you and force turnovers because the turnover battle is going to be key. But I don't trust either of your tackles. You just said it. That's the key to the game, the whole game. Whoever has the most turnovers will lose this game. Is that your key to the game as well? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, I definitely agree. Um, Obviously, and containing Antonio Gibson as well, you want to stop the run. But we do have a couple comments. Andy Hopper checking in saying, what's up, y'all? Hello, Andy. What's up, Andy? Uh, And he is taking the football team tonight. Let's go, Cannon taking the football team before we get to our predictions. Just want to go over a couple players to watch for each team. And Cannon, we'll start with the Washington football team. If you could give us maybe three players to watch on Washington and, and why you think they're important to uh, tonight's football game. All right. So we got to watch Cosme. You said that um, he's a young right tackle. We just, you know, we want to see how he's going up against that three-headed monster that you just named. But, Ojalary and X and all of those people. So we want to make sure that those guys are contained. Um, I'm watching Diami Brown. Um, I want to see what he can do. I want this is a national televised game. This is a big spot. It's Thursday night. It's kind of, you know, not really in a routine. I want to see can you perform off schedule when it's when it's not normal. So because that's a part of being in the NFL now, and then. I'm watching Jamin Davis. So it's pretty much all of our, our young guys. Um, he was pretty solid last week, but, you know, I want to see what you can do. Um, I want to see him on the field a little bit more. And then just one, I know you said three, but also Benjamin St. Juice I was, mm. was was solid last week, and I want to see if that can continue. Um, that's a big guy. He can play the slot. 
he can move out to the edge. So um, those are my uh, players to watch. Interesting. Hank, anybody on Washington that you're like really scares you? Because I have one matchup that I want to go over, but I'll, I'll save that towards the end. I think I know what it's going to be, and I think we might have the same one. For me, it's Chase Young. That speaks for itself. See, I'm really interested to see how Andrew Thomas matches up against him. We know Young had three tackles last week, and one of them for a loss and one pass deflection. And Chase Young, there, there's a reason that most Giant fans wanted them to tank in 2019. That guy is an absolute beast, and I think he's a guy that pretty much single-handedly made your defensive line better. I agree. Yeah. Another guy that I have, I would probably say Scary Terry. I mean, last week he had four catches for 62, and he had a big touchdown last time we went to FedEx Field against you guys and almost cost us the game. But, it, you know, he's another good threat for Washington. He's another guy I would keep my eye on for sure. Yeah. Sam, anyone else you want to add for Washington that you think – yeah, for Washington, I would say, you know, every, you know, Chase Young is one of the biggest stars in this defense, but Montez Sweat is still somebody that was, I believe it was a first-round pick or a second-round pick. I can't we remember traded, off the top of my head. We, we traded up, and so I think we did end up getting him in the first round. Yeah. and Before Haskins, as a matter of fact. Yeah, mm-hmm. so I think that, I mean, he had nine sacks last season, and he's no joke. And obviously, this defense in a hole is great, and Chase Young as an individual is great, but I think Montez Sweat is someone people forget about sometimes, so I would say definitely make sure that we keep an eye on him because he's going to come out of nowhere, and we need to make sure that he's not somebody that ends up tackling Daniel Jones in a sack because that's what we need the opposite of here. <laughs> One other player I want to add is William Jackson. Uh, two passes defended last week in a pick. I think he's lethal in that Washington secondary. Obviously, Logan Thomas had a touchdown last week, and the fact that we can't cover tight ends. But my matchup of the game is Andrew Thomas versus Chase Young as the matchup because I think Thomas had such a good game last week. We really find out if last week's O-line performance from the Giants was a fluke or if it's going to be a model of consistency that lasts throughout the season. But moving on to the Giants, um, I'll start here. I think Galladay and Shepard are two clear ones because mm-hmm. I think Jones is going to be throwing the football a lot tonight, in my opinion. Yep. Uh, Galladay catches everything thrown his way. Sterling Shepard has the best chemistry with Daniel Jones. So I think personally those are my two players to watch for the Giants. And I may be starting one or two of those guys in fantasy football tonight. <laughs> <laughs> That's always a good reason. I'm unfortunately starting Terry McLaurin, but please, I don't care about my fantasy matchup. I want my team to win. No offense, Cannon. (laughs) I'm not going to be offended because you want your team to win. (laughs) You should want your team to win. That's what makes the rivalry. I'm not one of those fans who don't like – I don't mind the opposing team fans. I actually love Giants fans because that's what makes the rivalry. I love (laughs) fans. I love Eagles fans because who yeah. else am I going to talk this trash to? So exactly. <laughs> also, um, you know, but who I'm looking at, of, of course, I'm looking at Sterling Shepard because of what he did last week. Um, but I'm also looking at Gates on the switch to left guard. Um, and then, and on defense, I'm looking at, <laughs> I'm looking at Peppers, and then I'm also looking at. Crowder 
um, you know, since we're going to, you know, Antonio Gibson is one of our certified weapons that we've been using, you know, uh, lately. So that should be a good matchup right there. Um, so those are the, those are the players that I'm watching for on the Giants. Um, and then also Daniel Jones, because he normally does well against Washington, even though he may not do well for the whole season or, right. you know, but he does play well against Washington. So I definitely got to keep an eye on him. <laughs> He'll ask who did Andy's dog pick? I don't want to speak on behalf of Maru, but I believe he did pick the Giants uh, Hill, but you may want to get that from Andy. And <laughs> <laughs> Bruce, I've been reposting Bruce because I, I just love the picks. He's going with the fake me out each time. <laughs> Two weeks Sam, in a row, he did that. <laughs> yeah, he is pretty accurate. Sam, who do you got for us? I want to say somebody that we were discussing earlier and needs to step it up a little bit, and that's Blake Martinez, my guy on the defense here. He needs to make sure that he just dominates in this game because of the fact that he was slightly off last week. I want to see preseason Blake Martinez. I want to see last season Blake Martinez. I want to see him just be electric against this offense. So that's that's definitely who I want to keep an eye out for today. Hank? I think for me, I'd want to see uh, Logan Ryan. He was the one guy that really showed it to play defensively and I, you had to love the effort he made punching the ball out of the receiver's hands when he was near the end zone and the Broncos failed to score early. And that was a play that I kind of thought was going to help change the momentum for the Giants, but obviously we know what happened afterwards. But with that having said, Logan Ryan, I think, is one of the better individual defensive players. He's one of the best members of our secondary, and I really can't wait to see what he does against these Washington receivers. There's one other player I want to add before we get into our game predictions, and then we'll wrap this up. Um, Leonard Williams. I think he's the leader of our defensive line that lost a couple pieces. We lost Dalvin Tomlinson, who we couldn't bring back due to the financial climate of the offseason. And then B.J. Hill, who we traded away to the Cincinnati Bengals for Billy Price, who's starting tonight at center. B.J. Hill had two sacks for the Bengals last week. So there you go. Um, Big Cat really needs to step up. And then quickly, the injury report for the Giants. Cam Brown is out due to a hamstring injury. Shane Lemieux out with a knee injury. He was placed on short-term IR as he joins Evan Ingram there as well, who was out with a calf injury. So Lemieux, Brown, and Ingram for the Giants. And then for Washington, Ryan Fitzpatrick with the hip. And then Curtis Samuel with the groin. Both starting running backs will play in Saquon Barkley and Antonio Gibson. And now this is the moment we've all been waiting for. The anticipation's building. It's almost kickoff time. We're about 10, 15 minutes away. Our game predictions. So Washington, I believe they're favored by three and a half, I want to say. Obviously, the Giants have not lost to Washington since October 28, 2018. Daniel Jones, 4-0 in his career against Washington. 900 passing yards, eight touchdowns. 100 quarterback rating. Now, given the Giants and their historic dominance against this football team, are you confident in the law of averages, or do you still worry about the same result, Cannon? I was literally just sitting up here thinking, like, it's it's got to break. Like, it has to break. It can't keep happening. But you know what? This this is 
this is before this goes back before Daniel Jones. This goes back to all the way back to when Tiki Barber learned how to not fumble. And it's been yes. high and tight. Yes, high and tight. tight. Since then, so it's like, you know what? We struggle with the Giants. I don't I don't know why we do. That's just a part of the rivalry. So I'm hoping for the law of averages, Tom. I'm hoping that we can get a break in that. And I'm hoping that it just doesn't continue to trend, you know, in the same in the same direction. So of course my prediction is Washington with the W. And 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 I like the three points that you know that Vegas has given us. So I say Washington by three. I say 2017. Cool. Sam. I uh, I feel bad, but I am gonna go with Washington in this game because I think that there is an end to streaks like like you were saying, Cannon. So it's going to be close, though. I have a feeling it's going to be very, very close. I'm going 23-20 Washington. But like Hank said before, I'd rather be wrong <laughs> and pleasantly surprised. So obviously I'll be sitting here rooting for the Giants, but I think statistically-wise, defensive-wise, offense-wise, I think that the Washington football team will put just a little bit over the edge to beat us out. But hopefully not. But we'll see. <laughs> All right, Hank, you're up. I am probably going to be going against my better judgment here. I mean, listen, a lot of times I've picked the Giants and I've been wrong over the past few years. And I don't, I still think the Giants are going to win despite all the shortcomings that I saw last week. I think this time I'm going to go with the score. I'm going to go with the three point game again. I'm going to say, actually, no, I'm going to, I'm going to go 24 20. I'm going to go with a four point game. Probably against my better judgment, and I'll probably be very wrong, but hey, let's go Big Blue. I Every time they play Washington, good things usually see, seem to happen. So based on history, that's what I'm going off of, and maybe based on my blind faith as well. <laughs> Besides, I can't let everybody on the stream pick Washington. That's all. So I like going in this with a very level-headed approach, and the Giants have had a lot of success against Washington. And all history, records, the law of averages point to the Giants winning this football game tonight. However, I was disgusted with what I saw at MetLife last week. The changes on the offensive line concern me. Uh, Barkley not being 100% yet concerns me. I get it. We're going up against the backup quarterback. They don't have Curtis Samuel, but – there's something about this 0-2 streak that we've had for the past few years now. Giants lose tonight by a final score of 21-20 to and break my heart. So Washington will win this football game tonight. And Washington has back-to-back games at home. You can't start your season off that way. They play the Bills next week, and I can't see Washington starting 0-3, where the Giants have the Atlanta Falcons, where they could easily rebound. And I'm not saying that's the reason why I'm picking Washington, but I think – from what we saw last week, Washington looked better in their game than the Giants did. They played more of a complete game despite their shortcomings. So that's my final score, although I hope I'm wrong because usually when I don't pick the Giants, they come out. On <laughs> that's how it works. <laughs> uh, Kenan, any final thoughts before we let you go? And I also I do want you to plug in your podcast at the three-man week. Um, final thoughts is that – I hope we both teams come away with all their their starting players healthy, even their backup players. Um, just thank you, Tom, for reaching out. Thank 
you all for having me. It's been an honor and a pleasure. Hopefully, you all, we can get you onto my show um, with my co-host. Yes. And we can talk sports there. Um, you guys are welcome. Um, and, of course, you can find us um, at 3 Weave underscore on IG, Twitter, and we're also on TikTok. Um, you can email us. We feel questions for our episodes. Um, we, we'll use your topics if you want us to at you can email us at podcast.3.man.weave at gmail.com. Um, and please subscribe to our YouTube channel at 3 Man Weave Podcast. So that's us. Once again, I appreciate all the love. And it's been an honor to be up here talking the rivalry with you guys. Thanks, Cannon. You're the man. Appreciate it. Uh, looking forward to watching this game tonight and hoping for the best, not just for our team, but for your team as well. Hope it's an awesome game. And again, thank you so much for coming on. We really do appreciate your time. Thank you. All right, take care, Cannon. That was Brian Cannon from the Three Man Weave. Sam, Hank, any final thoughts before we sign off? Kickoff is just moments away. I'm pumped. Let's go, Big Blue. Final thoughts. My final thought is I hope Hank is right. I want Hank to be right in this scenario. So let's hope for this win. I really hope. But I, if we play good, though, and even and even get a loss here, I'll feel a lot better because last week was just so horrible to watch. If we play a lot better but even lose, which is going to suck, it'll still make me feel better that I'm like, they looked a ton better than they did last week. So just a better game from them, I'm hoping. And go Big Blue. Yeah, Sam, I'm definitely with you on that. I think if we get a better showing, I'll definitely – I'm not going to say I'll accept that as a the result, but I'll definitely feel better. And what can I say? Like, I had a weird feeling you both were going to be picking against the Giants, and I couldn't let it all be unanimous. That, that's why I had to go with the – that's why I had to go with the G-Men, even though I may have said my little mantra before. But with that having been said, it's – I'm not too worried. It's early in the season. I think the defense will step it up. And at the end of the day, I think the Giants will find a way to – to rebound whether that be this week or next week but still extremely nervous but keeping the faith steve smith senior picked the giants to win 28 25 i was just saying i just saw that i'm looking at it right now let's just see who michael picks quick and then we'll sign off the line is four and a half actually um over the way oh, was that, was that higher wasn't it three and a half like yeah. yesterday yeah we've got a comment from one of your biggest fans sam Hello, Jamie. <laughs> oh, three for Washington, one for New York. All right, let's go, Steve Smith. Thank you so much for commenting, Jamie. Hank's mom is the best. She always brings in all the funny comments. Really do appreciate you supporting all of our shows. One of our biggest fans here on Big Blue Avenue, as we are an affiliate of Review and Preview Sports. And on that note, we hope all of you enjoy tonight's Thursday night football game and the week ahead. Make sure to subscribe to our podcast below on all social media platforms at Instagram and Twitter at Big Blue Avenue and subscribe to our YouTube channel at Big Blue Avenue as well. We will upload this episode to that channel tomorrow. On that note, on behalf of Sam Cardona and Hank and Dichter, I'm Tom Scavetta saying so long, everybody. Enjoy the Thursday night football game between the New York Giants and the Washington football team. And let's go Big Blue.